calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this spoiler review for the latest episode of Picard from Season 3, The Bounty, here from The Geek Buddies! Just like the themes of this episode, we are a copy of the original Geek Buddies, not fully the three Geek Buddies, but we are a copy. But that's the theme running through you this You speak for yourself. Episode. You speak just, for yourself. I'm just saying. I am, I am OG, baby. You are? All right. Are you not Positronic? Positronic. I, I, anyway, um, there's so much to get into this morning here, Mike. I mean, you know, we like to pride ourselves with our reviews, uh, no matter what we're reviewing. With incredible amount of knowledge, get the Easter eggs, get everything squared away. But, dude, 52 minutes that were just chock full of so many references to almost all the shows, almost a lot of the um, original series movies, some next generation movies. It was just incredible to see how much was shoved into here. And that's just the Easter eggs, let alone the two fantastic storylines. Once again, dual storylines happening in this one. How do they, how do they uh, uh, get out of the Daystrom Institute, get in there and get out of the Daystrom Institute? And also, how do they get the ship, get the cloaking device onto the Titan to be able to sneak in there and get everybody out before security shows up? So, so much happened in this episode. I'm going to break it on down. We should introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel, writer, producer uh, of animated TV shows and movies. The thing about Picard so much, I forgot what I did for a living. It's great. <laughs> and we are, of course, sponsored by Carbon Health through the month of March here. Head on over to CarbonHealth.com to get uh, checked out today. If you're a positronic body or just a regular human body, go and get it checked out today and see what they got for you. Or download the app to have a doc in your pocket for those mental health issues and certainly having multiple personalities inside of one construct does qualify for maybe exploring some mental health issues, head on over there to carbonhealth.com as well. Michael, I already gave a little bit of a preview of what this episode was all about. We like to start with the overall feelings about it, then jump into these two storylines. That's how we're going to run this review uh, and then hit those Easter eggs as we go along or afterwards. So your thoughts overall on the bounty here, this new episode in Picard season three. I mean, my thoughts are that I don't know that Easter egg is even the right term anymore. Um, only because, Reference. only because, like, look, when Marvel puts the issue number that Hydro appeared in on the back of a boat in Spider-Man: Far From Home, that's an Easter egg. Mm -hmm. That's like a you can see it. It doesn't matter. It's right. there. And if you want to be super geeky and you want to know every little hint and thing that's in the background or this painting on this wall as a reference to this, like that's great and it's fun. Right. And I love and I love Easter eggs and we love Easter eggs and we talk about it all the time. Sure. But what Picard is doing is not that. Mm -hmm. These references, these Good characters point. that are popping up, even these ships 
are integral to this story that's mm -hmm. unfolding. And I think that's like been the biggest surprise of Picard. I mean, I think I said this in last week's review, like when we saw the trailers for season three, particularly after season one and two of Picard, and you saw that they were bringing back the entire Next Generation cast, I was on board, but I wasn't overly uh, excited. Hopeful. Okay. I mean, I was like, it, it, it was going to be nice to see them. Yeah. I would see them in anything. I would go see these guys on any space adventure uh, and be happy about it. But to have a show that is this good and to have a show that is trotting out um, aspects of every version of Star Trek. Yeah. Uh, and, and make and weaving it into the plot. You know, it's not, hey, remember Ro Laren? She's she's still at Starfleet. Surprise. It's hey, remember Rolaren? She's at Starfleet. She reveals important plot information, yeah. and her death is super, super important, not just to the plot of the story, but to Picard's emotional development. Yeah. And so in this episode, it's too. It's like, hey, remember the uh remember the bounty from Star Trek Four? Remember that awesome Klingon ship? It's not yeah. just at the museum, it's integral to the plot. It's how we get them out of there. So everything from the reveal of data to yeah. all of these different pieces, um, it's all super important to the story and it's just showing like so many people, you know, uh, when they talk about geek culture, when they talk about all the things that any of you listening to us right now, like, so when we talk star Wars, we talk Marvel, we talk DC, we talk star Trek. Sometimes people get wrapped up in all we care about is the Easter eggs and the references and, Oh, well, this is a reference to this. And this means that this character's coming and this is this. And what Picard is doing right now is the best yeah. of geek entertainment. It is a love letter to the fans. Yeah. It is a brand new, exciting chapter that's going to go down in history as one of the great Star Trek stories. Uh, it's it's Easter egg. It's nostalgia. It's character development. It's epic storytelling all wrapped into one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't disagree. I, mean, I can't disagree with anything you've said. You're absolutely right. I will stop referencing, uh, calling them Easter eggs. I'll call them references. And you're right. They absolutely... Um, for any Star Trek nerd fan, you are getting just a smorgasbord of references that you can enjoy and look up and remember. I mean, getting that encounter at Farpoint footage weaved into this was yeah, so man. It was it so hit. cool, right? It hit so hard. It did. It really did hit hard. It hit hard when Jordy said data. It hit hard when Worf saw uh Picard and Riker, the Riker and Worf uh ball busting that never had will all go on for the eternity of time because both of them feel threatened by each other always at, at the foundational base of their relationship. There's a little bit of threat by each of them and they like to play with it. I loved all of the emo, even seven of nine with Rafi. We didn't spend too much time on it. Clearly that Facebook status is it's complicated and we're going to figure out what that is. As it Worf, goes Worf won the day with that one. Oh, <laughs> Worf won the day with that. Worf being like, hey, uh, so it's cool. You can come. We'll make this work. It'll be great. And he's like, no, we're not coming. Like, well, thank God, because this was going to be horrible. <laughs> I was trying to be nice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, those kinds of things are just great. But the references, I think, are really cool. I mean, Jack being in love with the old Enterprise, with the Kirk Enterprise, seeing the NCC 1701-A, seeing that. I mean, for me, dude, I fucking lost it. That moment what? and the Genesis moment. Fuck you. Like that was, I went crazy for that. And that you got that, but then you got Jerry Ryan there, seven of nine, saying how much Voyager changed her and yeah. how that ship went out farther than any of the other ships. It, you know, it's funny for her own. Yeah. It's funny how, cause you're right. Like I actually thought of you because when Jack was talking about the Enterprise, I was like, well, Johnny is, yeah, Johnny is living his best life right now. And then when uh, Seven started talking about the Voyager and that Voyager theme came in, yeah. I got, it hit me. It got yeah. me. It got me good. So, and, and like everything with the bounty, everything with the whale thing, like, yes. you know, when they're, Oh yeah, the thing with the whales. Oh, yeah. And like, I think I love star Trek for voyage home so much. I think yeah. it is such a, it's a movie that shouldn't be as good as it is. And it is so much fun. And so bringing that ship specifically yeah. in, not just a Klingon warbird, but that specific yeah. Klingon ship to be the thing that helps them get out of this jam. Like it, it really like I I will say I watched episode six yesterday mm -hmm. and then a friend of mine, Paul, is catching up on Picard. And nice. he watched the first three episodes yesterday morning and he was right at episode four, which is them escaping from the nebula. And I was like, oh, all right, what do you want for dinner? And we ordered Mexican <laughs> food and he came over and I rewatched wow. four, five and six. So uh, my my evening yesterday was. Picard episode six, <laughs> Picard episode four, five, and six. That was my that was my night.
Oh my God. That sounds like a damn good night, especially with Paul, who's great company. So that's fantastic. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, that those, those things, plus the themes. I mean, I'd love the themes here. Yes. The themes of fatherhood coming through with Jordy and with Picard having these conversations. It's the same way I felt when I was seeing the older versions of the uh, original series, seeing yeah. them in their movies, watching the older versions of the next generation cast, having their conversations, their dads now, their grandfathers. Now they've got these kind of approach to things, having these co- or future grandfathers, I guess, but they're having these conversations about life. And then of course it ties into, as you said, it ties into the overall story, which is about the newer versions of these things that have come before. Like uh, Picard is essentially a newer version of himself with that positronic body. We've get data with a newer version of data with all these personalities being shoved in. You could argue your children are newer versions of yourself with Jack, with Jordy, with Alondra, uh, sorry, with Sydney and Alondra. There's all of that here. So, so much going through all the, and Worf even, I'm a different Worf because I've embraced meditation and my tactics are now peaceful, not what I was before. And Jordy even saying, I, Sydney, you showed me the way because I had forgotten what it was like to be young and get and go headstrong headlong into these adventures with Jean-Luc and the trust I had with Jean-Luc. So, so much of exploring this. So they're doing fan service in the way that it's supposed to be yeah. done to weave it into the overall plot and make it a seamless weave that you can believe, you know, a seamless weave. You can believe that is a song lyric. Thank you write you that down. Much. You save that one. I will save that one. And also what are they doing with Pat with captain Kirk's remains? What does this mean? All right. All right. I'm going to let that go because that one had me stopping and just walking around the living room. I was just pacing going, what are you doing? What are we doing? What is going to happen? Uh, anyway, all right. Anyway, let's let's jump into this thing. As I said, we're going to um, separate it out into two storylines. We're essentially been hinting at all the storylines already, but we're going to deal with the Daystrom Institute stuff, and then we're going to deal with um, with what happens with the ship. And as Michael mentioned, the uh, getting the HMS bounty, which was I think it was who was it? Was it McCoy? Was it was it um, uh, Scotty who dubbed it the HMS bounty? I think he was. I think it's Bones. Oh yeah. Oh maybe it was Bones. Yeah, I guess making the historical reference there. So yeah, uh, having that be a part of it. So, so we're gonna jump into that as well. So let's start with the Daystrom Institute stuff. We find out that uh, we start out with these warships that are arriving at the Daystrom station. Uh, uh, Vatic is there raging on the Shrike about not being able to find Picard. She wants to find out uh, who everybody, every person Picard has ever had contact with get the information his friends his loved ones anyone he might go to for help um and then we find out that uh, we find out what's going on here on the ship with beverly uh, and with jack jack's having these uh, visions these things beverly ran a scan on his brain and it seems like he's inherited the aromatic syndrome that picard had that we found out that killed him in season one which is what led him to get this positronic body uh and he's inherited from picard so this idea of inheriting things from your parents you know this idea and it's a terminal diagnosis and we hear about the nightmares and all of that she's given him inhibitors to alleviate the issue jack is in the 10-4 drinking picard walks in they talk about uh what can happen and picard of course not surviving it himself and getting a synth body and how positronic saved him uh but jack goes back and forth with them about passing things on he's clearly drunk he's clearly upset uh and he leaves him with one last zinger about what gets passed on to him and then picard finishes his drink and we cut to wharf and raffi being a beaming aboard, we hear there's been 11 years since Worf and Picard have seen each other. A funny joke about the sour mead, which is the wine that Picard sends him. And uh, Seven and Raffi have an awkward interaction there. And then Worf, sa- Worf says, we must ensure that Rolaren's death was not in vain to protect, to protect Starfleet and your kin. Um, then we see them figure out that they've got to go. They have this conversation. Worf does the briefing about the Dominion War. We hear about the scars on both sides. Uh, And then we hear something is being planned for Frontier Day. They realize they have to go to Daystrom Station and get this um, manifest. And they have to go into this vault. And it's protected by this incredible AI. But they have the key, Worf and Raffi. uh, And if they don't, they're going to die, essentially. So they show up on the other side of a moon in Daystrom Station. Seven and Raffi have another awkward exchange, as we mentioned. And Worf does his thing by making it more awkward about lovers lovers in battle. Worf, Riker, and Raffi are transported in Daystrom. They have one hour... Uh, and um, uh, Riker says to him, well, if we get in trouble, Worf will just use his uh, offense, Klingon offense, and Worf says, I believe in peace nowadays, and 
Riker, true to the moment, loves deliberate zingers, goes, uh, yeah, we're all going to die. Anyway, Worf uses the key. They get in. Uh, Starfleet ships, ships have arrived, which forces uh, the Titan to flee to Athen Prime, which is a nice 12 monkeys reference. Picard promises to be back before Starfleet figures out what they're doing. We hear about Section 31 and how they've been hiding their findings here. We see the Genesis device. We see James T. Kirk's body. We see a crazy tribble, and we cut to them being monitored by sudden somebody, and suddenly a holographic crow shows up, which is the portent for Professor Moriarty showing up here and having and playing tunes, shooting with actual bullets out of his gun. If you're a Next Generation fan, you know about Moriarty in the a couple of episodes that he was on in Next Generation. I always know him, the actor, as the butler from The Nanny, but that's just me. But anyway, great to see him back again. And we see this happen. Mortier, she shoots them as they flee. Riker realizes he is a projection and is not as self-aware as last time. Moriarty's playing a song. Riker figures out the song. It's Pop Goes the Weasel. We get that footage, as I mentioned, of Encounter at Farpoint with Data in the tree unable to whistle. But that's what breaks the code. They get in and they see Data's body, which is so interesting. Uh, and they come upon what Riker thinks is Data. He says that Data was uh, grafted all he was onto before. Then Rafi brings up a video of Alton Soong. We hear him speak about evolution. It's not preservation. It's addition. Uh, Rafi, Riker, and Worf discuss the AI at Daystrom creating an insane AI to hide their deepest secrets. They realize that da- this data is a copy and that the manifest is inside data along with all these personalities. Just then security shows up to all of this and we find out that they have, they, uh, we find out that uh, they're being uh, stalked there. Riker jumps out and says, I'm going to buy you guys some time. Start shooting at the security guards. He gets shot eventually, but the Titan uh, gets, uh, gets them out of there, which we'll get to that uh, story storyline a little bit. The Titan gets them out of there. Data is there. Jordy and uh, Sydney work on Data, bring him back, and it is all his personalities. And there's a beautiful moment where he says, Jordy, where he says, Captain, and they get the information out of him eventually. And the information is that the Changelings have stolen Picard's human remains. And that's uh, the end of that storyline. So, Mike, a lot in this, a lot we got to go through. But what were your thoughts about this entire storyline and this heist that was pulled here in this episode? Um. Okay, a couple things. One, um, just the Picard Jack scene is just lovely. Oh, yeah. and it just really like what they really built with both the Picard and Jack scene um, here, and uh, then the Geordi and Sydney stuff later on. But just all of these sort of ruminations about what you leave behind. Yes, and obviously, and we'll get into it in the other storyline. When you're looking at a bunch of ships. And the ships that are leading to the next ships, and this ship is the newest version of that ship, and this ship is the old version of this ship, uh, while while Alton Soong is giving a big speech about evolution isn't about living forever, but it's about addition and what do you add? Like, just, yeah. again, this is all just like, let's talk about legacy. I think we said in the first two reviews, yeah. like, Star Trek, uh, the old movies um, with the original cast, and now this is like... It's just about legacy. It's about what you leave behind. It's about this journey that you've been on. It's about who you were when you were younger and ready to jump into any battle and who you are when you're older and a little bit wiser, but a little bit more cautious and how there's good and bad to both of that. So like just Jack's uh, sort of angry scene with Picard tease all this up. Here's something that's interesting about the whole aromatic syndrome thing. Yeah. They never say aromatic syndrome in season one of Picard. No. And I think this really speaks to the difference between season three of Picard and season one of Picard. Yeah. I think that even though season one of Picard had a bunch of references and a bunch of things going on, they just were like, yeah, brain anomaly. Like <laughs> aromatic syndrome is what Picard had in the final episode of Next Generation. Yeah. Like that's kind of the entire story of all great things is this whole aromatic syndrome thing. And then they get to Picard and they go, you've got this brain anomaly, whatever, but it didn't really tie back. Like it didn't really, it wasn't like, boom, it was like, you could probably infer that, but here, not only do they bring back aromatic syndrome from the final episode of next generation, but they also are more explicit and be like, yes, that is the brain anomaly we were talking about in season one of Picard. (laughs) So, It's just like, so having this whole thing with Picard, you know, in in all great things, final episode of Next Generation, he's having all these visions, he's seeing things, he's hopping through time, he's very confused. So although what we've seen with Jack isn't exactly that, and Picard in the last episode of Next Generation never went full Jason Bourne, um, you're like, okay, this is a thing. Now, whatever the changelings want, 
whether it's definitely aromatic syndrome, like they've stolen Picard's body and they're chasing Jack Crusher. So yeah. if we're going to find out a lot more about aromatic syndrome that we never knew about, if we're going to find out that this was never really aromatic syndrome and it was something else, like there's like clearly go to Paramount plus go watch that last episode, that 90 minute episode of all great things. Yeah. Clock it all down. Watch some like the final episode of Picard where he gets his positronic body of season one, because this is a lot of what we're going to be dealing with with this bigger changeling storyline. So yeah. really, really interesting stuff with all that. Worf is great. Rafi's great. Rafi and Seven together. Great. I ship it. I want them to get back together. Let's heal these two up. Let's let's get married. Let's do it. Um, Data's alive now. He can sing at their wedding just like he did for <laughs> Riker and Troy. Like, let's just do it all. I'm in. I'm in well, on all of well, it. We'll see what happens. I mean, Riker now, and Troy, we'll see what happens. But yeah. Just from a pure writing standpoint, I love scenes where you have to dump information. We talked about this on Marvel shows too, but yeah. the whole scene in the ready room where Rafi and Worf are sort of given the report and they have to just basically dump all of the information that you don't know from Deep Space Nine about yeah. the Dominion War and the bioweapon, but that we like we tried to we were we infected the changelings, but then the Federation was like, this is some bullshit. We don't want to infect the changelings. And then you have to like lay out everything that's gonna happen in the rest of the episode. We gotta get into the Daystrom Institute. We got a key, but yeah. also there's transporter issues, but also Roe figured out those transporter issues, but also there's humans who come in every hour. So you only have an hour. And so, and then we need to get this information. Well, all the information has been redacted. Well, it's not redacted in the main computer. So if we get to the main computer, we can get the information that's redacted everywhere else. And you just watch every, every person in the scene getting a line yeah. to just be like information, 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 information. And they do it really well. Like it it's works. fun. Like I'm always well aware of those scenes where you're like, fuck man. You got to just like lay, basically you have to lay out for the audience. Here is exactly what needs to happen. And here is exactly how we're going to do it yeah. so that when they do it, it's not confusing and you can just enjoy all the awesome character stuff. So just props to them on just a really great exposition dump scene. Yeah. Let me dive in for a second here. I love the fact that Picard tried to try to save the Federation in his excusing say, well, they did give him the cure. And then Shaw was the one, what a reverse of positions that Shaw is the one kind of showing or speaking out against what the Federation did. And here's Picard trying to defend yeah, the Federation. That's a good point. It's a nice switch. And then also, I love that scene that you just brought up, Mike. It's so perfect because you and I, we love those Ocean's Eleven movies. Any great heist film, you're always going to give the crew that moment where they're all figuring out how they're going to break in and everybody gets the line. Everybody yeah. gets the line. And, and this is, and you're right. And this is a heist. It's smart. Yeah, and this is a heist. So you want it. everyone's in on the plan. Yeah. Everyone's talking about it. And the most important thing, and as an audience, when you do it right, you don't realize it as the audience. Yes. But as the right. audience, you are getting, okay, you've got a key to get you in. Right. You've got an hour. They're going to transport you out. You have to get to the main computer and get the information that's redacted everywhere. Okay, got it. I'm good. I'm good. I got it. I got it. So, like, that's that's what they were doing there. So, it's, yeah. it's just really great. Look, everything at the Daystrom Institute is just, like, solid gold references. Like, a good Genesis God. 2, like, again, and we've talked about this, like, you know, I think yeah. I said this what, last week that, like, there's just, there's great Star Trek stories in history. Yeah. There's yeah. it's first contact, it's voyage home, it's wrath of Khan, it's this thing. Like and it's the Tribbles. Everybody remembers the Tribbles episode. So like what they're doing here is just like, hey, remember these remember these awesome things? <laughs> Genesis 2, ladies and gentlemen. Oh James man. T. Kirk's James T. Kirk's body, ladies and gentlemen. You like Tribbles? This is a crazy fucking Tribble with teeth. Let us all enjoy the fact that we love all of these things. Like, it's just great. Oh. Also, the fuck is Section 31 doing? I, why are they accumulating all this stuff? And there was supposed to be a show with Michelle Yao. And yeah. I know, and, and I don't know if it's going to happen because, you know, they came out and said that, that well, at least when I was talking to some people and, they, and they, they're alluding to the fact that Paramount Plus might not do these kind of series anymore with Discovery being canceled. Uh, we're do we are getting a second season of Strange New Worlds, and I hope we're getting a, a season of Titan for God's sakes or something like that. But they're saying they're going to focus on these limited series and more and folk and try to get the movies back up again. So are we killing the Section Thirty One, or is that something we're just going to keep we, coming back? Michelle to? Yeoh, Mich Michelle Yeoh has moved on from Star Trek <laughs> in big ways, and if we haven't gotten movie. that Section Thirty One show yet, I don't think we're getting it. Yeah, I don't think we're getting. It. But, but, I do nice think, reference but I do think Section 31 is this great kind of aspect of the Star Wars universe and yeah. what they've kind of done with it here. Like, I mean, they're into some shit. Like, they clearly, they went and dug up Kirk's body. 
dude. Then when Alton soon died in Picard season one, they swooped in, took all his research. Yeah. And Picard's body. Yeah. Like, what else do they have? I mean, I, they better have some whale sperm somewhere. Oh, like, my literally, God. Literally, this was my thought. Oh my literally, God. like, this what? is because, because yeah. the whole plot of Star Trek Voyage Home is that giant obelisk shows up making the noises and there's no whales left and so they go back and they get george and gracie the two whales and bring them and gracie's pregnant but if i was section 31 i would be collecting some serious whale dna for when that shit comes back to bite you in the ass so anyways i was just i started thinking about all the things that section 31 probably has um captain there be whales here yeah i fucking love it i'm gonna go watch star trek voyage home this weekend um uh, all the Moriarty stuff is great. I, as a kid, loved the. I, I mean, any holodeck episode when I was a kid was just gold. So yeah. any holodeck thing is great. And so bringing back Moriarty, um, who was in those data episodes, and a hologram in the holodeck who sort of realized is sm- because Moriarty is so smart, realized yeah. he was a hologram. Just a great story, and it was really confusing. Like I, they did a great kind of bait and switch because I was like watching it i was watching this crow and moriarty shows up and they're like giving the the notes and i'm like well this is a shitty security system yeah like the fuck why does a security system want to like give you an in so the whole thing i was like i this is all very cool and like what the fuck is going on but what's going on but then the fact that all of that was data inside this sort of amalgam body synthetic body reaching out to Riker. And then when Riker was telling the story and they cut back to those first episodes of, you know, encounter at Farpoint when Riker first meets data, it was, it, it hit so surprisingly hard. Yeah. And just as an interesting nod in Star Trek nemesis, when data dies, Riker can't remember the song. The Riker literally is like, what is that? Like, I can't remember yeah, this song right. that he could never remember. And yeah. so the fact that here, it's like he remembers it and we get the flashback. Like, it was just beautifully done. And then, you know, we've been talking about how I thought this was going to be lore, lore, lore. It's all lore. And I'm not wrong, but I'm also not right. Yeah. And the idea that Data is this sort of mix of what? B4, Before, lore, lol, lol. Yeah. Zoom, and yeah. Data. Um, so before the weird Android they found in nemesis, the data downloaded all his memories into lore, his evil brother, yeah. lol, his daughter, basically in the episode where he kind of created an Android, but she had feelings and shut herself down. Yeah. Um, soon from Picard season one, uh, and then data, like, it's just, it's, it's literally, he is the human embodiment of a walking Easter egg that is essential to the plot. Yeah. Now he's human. So yeah. In essence. So in essence, data getting what he wanted all these decades later man that yeah, he Ryan, kind of explored you know ryan airy said on screen crush which i thought was an interesting point oh, that yeah. um that uh data now is the longest pinocchio story in history there's lots of stories of robots whether it be short circuit whether it be pinocchio we always have these stories of these robots that sort of want to be human that want to be more than they are oh, a puppet, but, but yes i hear what you're saying yes. data is a data is a pinocchio <laughs> story but this is but he's got it like after 30 something years yeah yeah yeah. data's now in a human body so that was amazing and then i just also loved i also love a scene where like they tell you the answer but it doesn't seem like they're telling you the answer so once they get data back and they're all talking to him after i sort of wiped my eyes dry because of the geordi when he looked at it, it was like Jordy, and then when he looked at Captain, like I was, it was great. Yeah. And then Brent Spiner's acting in the "I'm before, I'm lore, I'm this." It was all awesome. But then when they're like, "What was stolen?" and he just starts repeating Jean Luc Picard, Jean Luc Picard over and over and over, and Worf thinks he's broken. And then you yeah. get to the end, and you're like, "Oh no, no!" He literally was telling you exactly what was stolen. So great reveal. What the fuck does it mean? Why do these changelings? Why are they obsessed with Eremotic syndrome? I don't know. But again, this show is just, I, I like, I can't actually describe how good this show is. Like I, you know, we review so many things and we talk about the things we love and the things we don't love. And this didn't quite get there, or this was amazing, but then they didn't stick the landing or it took a while to get there, but then it hit, or, you know, like we go through all of the versions of what's good and bad about the shows that we love. And this show is just one of those special geek unicorns that comes around once in a blue moon where you're just like, you're doing everything right. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of insane because the bar keeps getting raised 
week to week to week because more people are coming and watching it. More people are giving it a chance. I'm saying more people are like talking about how great it is. So people are rediscovering it. As you, as you said, our friend Paul there going back and, and starting over season or start, starting season three and giving it a chance. And so word of mouth is spreading and people are jumping into it. So the bar is getting higher and higher because each of these episodes delivers so well. Then you get to an episode like this and it's like, wow, what an incredible way to weave everything in that we, we that you want to reference, but make it all connected to the overall plot or the overall theme that you're trying to get across here, which I think is fantastic. And oh yeah, here's a great heist. And let's yeah. add something more that he is a combination of all these characters that this new data is. And I think it's brilliant because, you know, as a writer, giving yourself options where you don't know what a character might do, depending on what personality has taken over that character in a certain moment leads to conflict and some interesting electricity in future scenes. So the fact that you've got a guy with these, all these personalities inside of him, which one is going to do? I mean, when he switched yeah. to Laura, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, that go. smirk on his face. Yeah, yeah, he, he just did. nailed it. He nailed yeah. that timing. But yeah, I mean, well, and look, like I, I will. In charge, but we don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. And we and I think we won't know. And I think that's going to be another big piece of the puzzle. But I mean, yeah. I'll comparing this to something else that we talked about. It's like, you know, you go, you go, oh, wow, we're getting the whole next generation cast together. Right. And you go, OK, well, I guess like, I mean, I love next generation back in the day, but. And you go, oh, we're bringing back Boba Fett. And you're like, all right, Boba Fett, we're going to get this story. And you look at the way that they handled a lot of the stuff in Boba yeah. Fett, and you go, eh, okay, I guess. It was fine. Yeah. I guess it's I guess it's good. Like, he blew up the Sarlacc pit. I, I would have blown it up, too. Cool. Like, it's fine. He was with Sam people for a while. And here, stuff that, like, stuff that I didn't even know that I was missing, like yeah. Ro Laren, Right. I like, and the, the biggest compliment I can give to the show is that I have found myself – on Thursdays, I will watch Picard. Yeah, yeah. And then I go right back to Paramount Plus, and I'm like scrolling through old episodes. I have rewatched oh. episodes of. I mean, obviously, I watched the last Rolaren episode yeah. where she where she oh. left and joined the Maquis. Right. Uh, I put on All Good Things last night. Watched about half hour before I fell asleep. Right. I've gone back to Deep Space Nine episodes. I've gone back to Voyager episodes. Like it just this show makes you want to go back and yeah. relive those moments because it it because these characters the life that they led within this universe is so important. And these are the moments that got them where they are now. Yeah. It's a love letter to Trek. As you mentioned earlier, that's not defaulting to nostalgia to do the work. There is a legitimately damn good story here that is also being driven by the nostalgia and the love and the references and the care for each show. There is no judgment being passed on that one show is better than another or whatever. Everyone is getting equal footing. Yeah. And every show and every movie that they can reference is getting equal footing here. And yes, are they low key giving you a better next generation send off than nemesis? Yes. I think that's a part it's of it. It's not that low key. All right, fine. Fair enough. Nemesis I'm, I'm is rough. Respectful. Nemesis yeah. is rough. <laughs> yeah. Nemesis is rough. But yeah, but so they're doing this in such a great way. And I think what you brought up earlier is the perfect um, example of it. Riker does know that song. He wouldn't have forgotten that song in Nemesis. He would have known it. The writer move is him. The, the smarter move, rather, is him knowing it in this thing and unlocking Moriarty. I hope this isn't the last, but it probably is that we'll see Moriarty because I imagine he's in there part of the I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what oh, more use we have for Hologram Moriarty, but the references they gave us in that it. brief moment, if you love holodecks, as yeah. I do, um, <laughs> it's pretty fantastic. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into uh, the other storyline here with the ship and everything going on at the Prime uh, right after this. There, I gave no, you one. I gave you one. I gave you one. <laughs> if you can get him to sing and like Shannon, that means you've done a good job with your show for sure. All right, let's move on here. Let me see if I can catch up to where my notes are. All right, the Titans arrive. The Titan rather arrives on Athen Prime, which is a reference to a time traveling character in Twelve Monkeys. For those of you who may not watch Twelve Monkeys, that's another thing that I hope. Look, Terry Metalis has been very kind to our show and asked us to retweet and sent, and he's been such a good guy to our show. Uh, and so I got to give love to him. If you guys haven't watched Twelve Monkeys, 
Uh, you need to watch 12 Monkeys. There's some fantastic work. And some of the actors you've seen, including Todd, Todd Stashwick, are in 12 Monkeys mm-hmm. and do incredible work. So go and check that series out as well. Anyway, the Titan arrives on Athen Prime, which is the Fleet Museum. Well, well, every starship that has uh, essentially been mothballed, as they use their term, is there in their resting place. Jordy LaForge comes up on the screen. He is there and tells Picard to power down his systems. He arrives with his uh, with his daughter, Alondra, there onto the bridge of the ship or onto the transporter room, hugs Beverly after giving a whole soliloquy about whether he should hug or handshake and has a cool, a very cool, not a good, like cool, like chilly reaction to Sydney a little bit. Picard updates Jordy on what's going on here. Um, uh, and then Picard says, uh, let's do a transponder. We can sneak around and do all this kind of stuff. And Jordy goes, no, we can't do that. And his daughter, Alondra, steps forward and says, because all the ships are integrated now, and they talk to each other, so the Titan is a beacon, and Picard realizes that that is how they found, found them. So Jordy is not having this uh, um, proposal from Picard. He does not want to help, has an issue with the fact that Picard puts Sydney in danger. And then we cut to Seven and Jack hanging out with Jack sitting in the captain's chair, which Seven initially goes, hey, hey, hey. And he's like, I'm just trying it out. We'll see what this means. But she grills him on the starships, bring up the Defiant, bring up the New Jersey, the NCC 1701-A, as I said, Kirk's Enterprise. And she brings up the Voyager as well and speaks about her ship. Now, real quick, I'm going to throw in this reference uh, the end, the uh, the New Jersey one is very funny. I have it here. Uh, yeah, it's a, 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 a oh God, where is it? Oh, I have it. I thought I had it here. Oh, here it is. The the USS New Jersey is the de- designation is NCC 1975. It's a reference to where and when Picard showrunner Terry Metalis was born. So you know what? If you're gonna throw a reference to yourself in, and if you should do it. When you're doing a great show, no one's going to think it's arrogant. So I, I think it was yeah. pretty cool that he threw NCC that NCC Minneapolis, 1977, baby. <laughs> when you're running the show, I think you throw that in there. For <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll just, I'll, I'm going to throw that address into Big Apple City somewhere in Strawberry <laughs> Shortcake. Doesn't have quite the same impact as a starship, but you know, you do what you can. I just want a planet, planet Roca, hint, hint. Anyway, all right. She brings up the Voyager, which is, of course, her ship. She speaks, she speaks about her crew being a family, which is something oh. that's going to be referenced later when Sydney and Jordy are having their battle about Sydney wanting to stay on the And Titan. was referenced last episode with Picard and Jack, or two episodes, like the Picard and Jack uh, oh, yes. in the whole flashback when Picard right. is at the Real 10 Forward right. um, talking about everything, like the whole Jack saying, well, what about real family? And he says, Star- uh, Starfleet's my family. Like, you know, yeah. like it's it's been a constant sort of discussion, like, your family on your star on a, on a ship versus your real family and where those two things work yeah. together and where they come into conflict. It's fascinating. I don't mean to reference the other holy uh, the holy, holy holy franchise here, but you know that franchise is dealing with found family. This franchise, Star Trek, in this series is dealing with real family, their actual family. So it's very very and versus the family you have on the ship. So very interesting stuff going on here for sure with these themes. Um, anyway, then she pulls up the Klingon bird of prey. That's right, the HMS bounty. And yes, what Sydney said earlier, they couldn't come back without being seen. She said that earlier in the episode. When she said that, immediately I was like, I've seen this before in Star Trek Klingon uh, bird of prey. Absolutely. They're going to find some way. And I did not think the HMS bounty was going to show up, but damn, that drove me crazy when I saw that. Uh, and then they talked about the transponder situation because now you can get away. With the transponder. So then we head back to Picard and Jordy about and they have a conversation about being dads and what they pass on to their children. Really beautiful stuff, mirroring what we got earlier in the season with Picard mm-hmm. and Riker talking about being dads and what the responsibilities of all of that is. Uh, uh let's see here. Raffi says, Oh, so what is it? Jordy says he can't help them and protect his daughters at the same time, and he hopes that Picard understands. Picard does, comes to the bridge, says uh, uh Jordy's not gonna help us. Uh, and Sydney, you're to stay behind. And she's like, F that, and walks over. And, and then Picard says, uh, Jordy wants to see you. They go in there to have a conversation, Sydney and uh, uh, and Jordy. And uh, they, she wants to know why she won't help, why uh, Jordy won't help them. And they have a great back and forth about their relationship, their differences, and Jordy's fear. She says, You know what? I didn't want to build them, I wanted to fly them. And don't you understand? Like, that's the way that I am. And Yolandra wants to be the engineer. That's not me. I'm different. Why can't you accept that I'm different? And why are you afraid? This is my family. And it's so interesting to see Jordy saying that they're not your family. They're your, they're just the crew. 
Jordy, of all people, was really fascinated to hear him say that. So I thought that was a nice, interesting. Anyway, uh, we see go back to the bridge here. It looks like Jordy has decided to help them because of Sydney kind of putting him in his place. Shaw, now we see Shaw fanboying over Jordy, which is an awesome little sweet moment here. Shaw, who is ready to cut anybody with that scissor tongue of his, is can't find the words. It's like a mirror of being at a convention and someone walks up to Jean, uh, Patrick Stewart's like, I, I, I love you as the Jean-Luc Picard. I love that. And we find out that the, the Titan cloaks all of a sudden and they realize that Jack and Sydney have stolen that cloaking device from the bounty and are trying to install it. Uh, Jordy, I love the shot here. And this is great. Shout out to the director, uh, Dan Liu, for having the shot of Picard and... Um, Jordy on screen like this, and they both say their children's names, Jack and Sydney, knowing they're the ones who try to put this thing on there. So Jordy comes down, helps them out, tells Jack to stay away from his daughter because, dude, it was pretty obvious that they're starting to ship that that situation there with Sydney and Jack. And I'm here for it. I'll be honest with you. I'm 100% on board with it. Picard lets them know they have to cloak in and out. Ricard, uh, Riker buys them time, as I said, because they get there uh, and he shoots security, then he shot himself. They make it aboard the Titan. And we hear that Riker was kept there with the transport inhibitors. As I mentioned, Jordy has an emotional moment when he sees data. We talk about all that stuff already. Uh, we did mention we didn't mention that uh, uh, data calls or this new creation of data calls himself Android M-5-10. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but we cut to Riker being tortured for information. In my mind, I'm like, wait, Starfleet is torturing people now? What is this all about? And the person who is torturing him ends up shooting the two other security officers. And we find out it's the changeling and it's Vatic. And uh, Vatic brings him aboard her ship, the Shriker here. And he says, you think I'm going to help you? You're insane. I've decades. I've dedicated his family. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that for you. And Vatic is, oh, no, no, not for me, for someone else. And there is Deanna Troy. She has obviously found out the information of where Deanna is and stolen her. And now she is keeping her prisoner to force possibly Riker to help her go catch Picard. So, Mike, thoughts on everything that happened here on this, on the Titan and the back and forth here with Jordy and with Sydney, with Jordy and Picard, with Jack and uh, Seven of Nine, and then right at the end with Riker and Vatic. Well, the space station right off the bat. Uh, I'm exhausted, the by the way. Okay, I bet. <laughs> you did good. You did good. I was impressed. Uh, you you covered so much of it in just describing it. So I'm just going to hit some key beats. Like the right. Fleet Museum in general, basically being the space station from the Star Trek motion pictures. I believe Star Trek Search for Spock like, yes. is is uh, is just a great nod. It's just a great nod yeah. that that's what this is. And yeah, like it is just like every starship you ever want to see uh, on display. But I think what's really great about this show is that so many of the characters from Next Generation are being defined by their children and this whole yeah. conversation yeah. of being parents, of what that means. So Beverly Crusher made some big decisions when Jack was born right. about leaving everybody behind, about not wanting to be in the shadow of Picard. Riker, the whole first half of the season, not taking risks as a captain because he's still dealing with the loss of his son. Yes. Uh you know, data is literally a amalgam of so much stuff that you can take that analogy any which way you want. Yeah. Picard obviously dealing with the realization that he's a father is a big thing in the show. Yeah. And now Jordy coming in and being a lot more cautious. Like he's not yeah. gonna dive in. You like Worf Worf has been off running around doing uh intelligence stuff with Rolaren, like risking yeah. his life every day. Jordy's got a pretty cush job raising his kids and he's like and he's clearly told them about all the amazing adventures he's done but he does not want them on those adventures yeah. like that is not in the cards for what he wants and so it was just that was really interesting and kind of making the decision that him and sydney have a lot of uh issues between them that there's yeah. a lot of push and pull there i think is just again it's just taking these characters and not just going yeah, they're all ready to go on this adventure. Let's get the gang back together. Let's go right. save the world. That like the entire concept of saving the world comes with a lot of baggage yeah. and a lot of risk. And some of them are like, I'm all about it. And some of them are not. And so just seeing that play out and it's kind of a common theme, like Beverly Crusher, I did not want my son constantly in danger because you are always in danger. 
Yeah. Uh, Riker, I'm not going to take these risks. Uh, and then kind of coming around to Deanna Troy and saying that, like, he really realized that he had gone down a dark road and was kind of not having those feelings. And yeah. now Jordy, kind of the same thing. Like, I don't want to take these. I don't want my children to take these risks. I'll mm -hmm. do it. I would have done it back in the day. It was all great, but I don't want to do it now. So just all of this back and forth that is constant, and I'm assuming for the back half of these episodes was going to be just a continuation. Like these yeah. discussions have been happening for a while. To your point, um, Jack and Picard, this whole like a couple episodes back in 10 forward when all of those Starfleet kids were like, tell us stories, Admiral, tell us stories, Admiral. And Jack was there sort of like, hey, well, what about family? And he's like, Starfleet's the only family I ever need. And then Picard realizing that he said that and being like, fuck, that was that that wasn't great. That wasn't a great look on me. Um, so just seeing how this all plays out, I think, is going to be really, really fun and interesting. Yeah, I also think the. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say. I also think I love the fact that you're having, the children have these natural reactions to their parents, right? I mean, I love the fact. I didn't mention it in the recap here, real quick, but I, I will mention it here. Sydney saying to Jordy there in their second conversation, "Why do you think I crashed all those ships? It's because I while they're fixing data and they're putting yeah. data back together. It's because I wanted to spend time with you as you fix stuff. Because I'm not an engineer." But I wanted to spend time with you. And if I was constantly flying and doing well, we would have spent less time. Uh, Alondra is the engineer. She will build stuff with you all day and all night. But for me, I'm sitting on the, I'm sitting there handing you tools. Whereas Alondra's jumping in, I'm handing you tools because my interest is more in flying, right? So difference of opinions, difference in approaches. And we see that all the time. Jack embracing the enterprise in a way as a kind of F you to his dad, right? That it, it, it echoes the battle we still have in Star Trek. Are you a Picard yeah. person or are you a, or a, a Kirk person? So right. I love that that is uh, alluded to as well, but also Jack going back later and speaking to Jean-Luc and saying, which I didn't reference, but we'll talk about it here saying like, you know what you also, I know that I, sometimes I get drunk. I say bad things. I'm, I'm that person. But I'm also this and this and this, which I give credit to my mom. But I'm also brave, loyal, and this kind of thing. And that's due to you. And I didn't know who I got that from until I met you. So it was kind great. Of saying an apology for, you know, kind of giving you shit for giving me this hereditary thing by saying you also gave me all this wonderful stuff. So you're seeing the children have a chance to kind of tell their parents, hey, you put this in me and I'm proud of it. You taught me that my crew is my family you've given me loyalty passion and these kinds of, so it's just it's a very good way to kind of like put people back together because we fight with families and we forget how much we take away from our families that's positive because we get lost in the negative you know yeah no absolutely another thing that i thought was really lovely uh, and it's a really subtle thing this is not a big thing at all but yeah. um alondra and sydney definitely very different as yes. siblings yeah, yeah which is great but usually or not usually but there is a tendency that when you have two siblings and they're very different, you put them at odds with each other. Right, right. So it would have been very easy for Alondra to be daddy's favorite and sort of just like stoke the fires between yeah. Jordy and Sydney. But they didn't do forth. that. Like the caddy back and forth between yeah. two women. And they didn't do that. Like yeah. Alondra's like, yeah, I know. I'll do what I can. Like Alondra and Sydney, they like, it was just, it was a really nice, I preferred that to yeah. the other way. Like I think and, and that Alondra, was really- and Alondra helped, Mike. Remember, Jack yeah. says into some minor larceny. Alondra helped. Sydney Alondra's on board. Jack. So I thought yeah. I thought that was really lovely. Yeah. The whole uh, seven and Jack scene. Oh man! Here's what I love about this scene. I, this is one of my favorite scenes, and for the Easter egg reasons alone, like we talked yeah. about it. But from a plot standpoint, you have to get the information out there that the that we have a Klingon warbird, yeah. and we're going to hotwire the cloaking device. But, and then they made the decision that it was going to be the HMS bounty, which is great. Or the bounty. Um, and then, but like, what's great is they then turned it into this lovely scene that was all the things. So yeah. you've got uh, Seven. List, first, you've got Jack Crusher kind of parroting back some of the stuff that Picard has said to him to Seven. Yeah. And then Seven being like, wow, you really are your dad's son which is just underscoring all of these big themes that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And you get this great back and forth between them. You've got her talking about how he does the same like drive-by philosophy that Picard does. And it was just, it's just a lovely scene. But right. then you go into this sort of, let's look at all these ships that ultimately yeah. is there to be like Klingon Warbird plot point. We need yeah, this, yeah. We, need, we need this information here. But 
you go through these ships and it is just so lovely. And it's, it's, I'll, I'll reference another show, you know, for all mankind, which if you haven't watched on Apple plus, oh, you should gotta, absolutely watch. watch. It's amazing. But sometimes we forget that the characters in these shows love what they do as much as people in real life love what they do. Yeah. So Terry Metalis clearly loves what he's doing right now. But if you are, if you're seven of nine, you love Starfleet. You yeah. you were a Borg. You didn't think you were ever going to get this opportunity. And now you're an officer. So the fact that she's sitting there just sort of looking at this history in front of her yeah. and that she and Jack get to share this moment. Yeah. Is it Easter eggy? Yes. Is it, is it a nostalgia play? Yes. Is it member berries? Yes. But it's also like a really deep character moment between the two of them. And it works so well. And shout out to the score on the oh. show like i can't wait to listen to this oh. score when it comes out the way that they are like we are we are going to unabashedly weave every theme from every star trek movie yeah uh and tv show in so if you see something from D deep space nine there's that ds9 theme yeah. uh seven is going to talk about voyager there's the voyager theme you're going to get a warbird there's the star trek voyage home theme right. wharf shows up there's the Klingon theme. Like it's, and it's just, they're repeating those themes over and over and over. You, you're going to see Kirk's ship. You're going to hear the original Star Trek theme. And it's so beautifully done that it's just another layer of that love letter. Yeah. So all that being said, uh, I think my other favorite thing I'll say, uh, just in the, in the big scheme of all of it is the Sydney Jordy scene was an amazing scene Dude, when she confronts him, scene. when he's like, you're going to stay here. And she's like, fuck that. Yeah. And he's like, Starfleet's going to take care of it. And she's like, I am Starfleet. And just this whole debate about when she says the only reason that I want to go do this yeah. is because I spent my entire life like, hey, dad, remember you saved the galaxy yeah. multiple times. You, you went back in time and fought yeah. the Borg. You went here. You went there. You did all of this stuff. Right. And I went into Starfleet to do it. And yeah, like you and you nailed it when she was like, this is my family. And he's like, they're not your family. And she's like, I, what is wrong with you? Yeah. And, and to have him come back around and yeah. say to her, I'm not mad at you. I'm proud of you. You I'm, I'm mad at myself. Right. Like it was just like, this is, this is some a plus parenting on Jordy's part in yeah. him, like admitting that he was wrong and them coming together. And then to have Jordy LaForge come in and be like, y'all don't know how to hotwire this Klingon cloaking device into a Starfleet ship. So everybody back up. You stay away from my daughter. Let's do some shit. Um, you can see why Shaw was nerding out um, yeah. and why Shaw was just a giant, like you said, a nerd at Comic-Con. He, he was, was a fanboy, man. Remember, remember, remember that time that you uh, increased the warp core? That was really cool, Jordy. Can you um can you look at my warp core because I I would really love to just see uh what you think about my warp core. Like that was like that was what was happening, and I loved it. And I love Jordy going like I love to nerd out with you. Trust me, I'd love nothing better. But we got to get this thing on the road in, in, in a moment. But I also think it's great what what uh, what she says to him because uh, it mirrors what Soon was talking about evolution, right? In addition, she is adding to his life she is reminding him she is bringing him back to a place but she's also adding her input her perspective and what seven of nine says to jack about the drive-by philosophy of picard she also says but the good thing is it 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 gives you the feeling of being seen and that's what now has been come is has come clear to picard he is seeing jack now for the first time and dealing with all this stuff right jack is seeing picard in this episode not just not just the negative stuff but the positive stuff and here's sydney telling jordy see me see who i am right and what does picard say to roller in last episode i see you finally mm -hmm. for i see you so i'm gonna get emotional talking about it. it's it's so it means so much to be seen for who you are when you strip away all the anger and the just to be seen that's all that's the human desire and the human need uh species whatever is the desire to be seen by the people you love and care about who for who you are and so who you actually are not just focused on one side or the other and so i thought that was a fantastic thing running through this episode it's really running through the whole season well, as well 
But I think all, I, I think that's all true. I think a hundred percent. And I think that's why this is emotionally why people are responding the way that they're responding to it. Mm. But like particularly what Alton when Alton soon is giving his speech about uh, when I before I gave Picard the golem, which is the the positron before I gave him this positronic body, yeah. I was going to use it for myself so that I could live forever. Right. And I realized living forever is not the key. And I think there's also a level of this whether they're doing it whether this is intentional or not. This is the way that I'm taking it. Um, we are living in the era, the era of the requel. Uh, yes, we're, oh, we are. We are trotting out every 100%. brand that we grew up loving. Yeah, and we are. We are. We're, we're bringing in the old cast. We're putting them up there, propping them up, crow's feet and all. I mean, Power Rangers reboot coming out on Netflix yeah. this month. Jeff Snyder so, just announced that Linda Blair is coming back for a new Exorcist movie. So, you know, and, it, yeah, it's all happening all over again. And that's right? great. And we love that. But I think that there are some requels that do what Alton soon was saying he was going to do first. Let's yeah. just repeat what we did again yeah. and give people the nostalgia. But this entire speech that he gives about it's not it's not that it's addition. It's it's taking everything, yeah. putting it together and creating something new. Yes. So that's he's talking about data. So we, we don't we don't have data back. Right. We have something that is a little bit data, a little bit lore, a little bit before, a little bit lol, a little bit soon. And yeah. what that turns into is part of what we're going to find out. But this series, Picard, as much as it is trotting out every aspect, it's taking a little bit of Next Generation, a yeah. little bit of original motion pictures, a little bit of Deep Space Nine, a little bit of Voyager, a little bit of all of it. And it's putting it in this blender and it's doing for Star Trek, the brand, what Alton soon did with data. Yeah. It's creating something new. Like we've we've watched a bunch of Star Trek shows, and some of them are amazing, and some of them don't hit the mark. Um, and what they're doing here is sort of the way you're supposed to do this. Yeah, yeah. And it, and and the fact that in a meta way, that's kind of the discussion that's happening within the world of the show, as we are all freaking out outside watching Picard and how good it is, yeah. is very very interesting storytelling to me. I agree with you 100%, brother. And you sounded almost a little bit like for the older people, a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit country, a little Donnie and Marie reference. Or for those of you a little bit old, younger here, you know, Lou Bega, right? A, a little bit of Monica in my, a little bit of Next Generation. A little bit life. of Voyager oh, in my yeah, show. A little bit of Deep Space Nine we go. Yeah, you can, exactly. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so real quick, hit some Easter eggs here as we wrap up here. Um, oh, no, wait. Well, what do you think is going to happen real quick, Mike? Uh Riker with, uh, he's going to figure a way out of this whole thing with Vatic, right? I mean, it, it's going to come close. What are we going to get? Is Lore going to take over the hip? And remember what I said last week. I, everyone was thinking Lore is going to be the villain. And I thought, wouldn't it be surprising if we get Lore on the ship, but he actually wants to help a car. So just like you, I'm not wrong, but I, I'm a little bit wrong and a little bit right. So I like being in this place. A couple things. One, as, a, as someone who's written on My Little Pony, who also had changelings, I oh. will say never trust a changeling, never trust a prisoner on a changeling ship. Because it might not be who you think it is. Great point. Now, now I do think that that is. I, I think it probably is Deanna Troy because we right. I, we know we got to get Troy into the mix here. So it is a very yeah. easy way to go. They kidnap Troy. Worf will rescue them. Right. You're going to get a little bit of a Worf Troy Riker triangle reference. A little bit of a friction there, said, which will be great. He, uh, Worf said, "I will go to the uh, you know essentially the hand, the end of the time to try to save Riker." I would, nothing will stop me. So clearly, so yeah, that's still there. So yeah, I do yeah. think that is Troy, but I will also say that I watched it. I was like, if 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 a changeling, if a changeling took me yeah. and took me on a ship and showed me Roca and Shannon in a jail cell, I'd be like, I'd be asking some very specific Roca. Remember when we were in London and I came back from that date? What were you cooking? <laughs> like I will be like, who are are you? Are you who you say you are? Um, but yeah, so I think, but I think like putting, <laughs> having, having Worf be the one that's going to go rescue them and having Riker and Troy there, you're going to hit all of those beats of the friction that they had in the later seasons of Next Generation, yeah. which I think will be really great. And then we, you know, we're getting close to revealing this mystery of what's going on with the changelings. Why are they obsessed with Picard's body? Why are they obsessed with Jack Crusher? Like we're, yeah. we're getting close. And then we've got this whole data situation, which is going to be a whole other, like, and so now we're in this really interesting part because this is episode six. We got four more to go. Yeah. And I think these next two episodes are going to be all mysteries revealed so that the final two episodes are going to be like an all out, like let's the, this is, this is our, this is our people. I also think we've seen several times in on Rafi's ship and in Ro Laren's, um, uh, 
research mm. that the uh the enterprise what are we up to now is it the enterprise f yeah, yeah enterprise the is about to be decommissioned well i'm pretty sure we're getting our next generation cast on a, on an enterprise flying in to save everybody one more time so one, get one. buckle up buckle up everybody nostalgia <laughs> is coming in at warp 9.9 i know this hasn't been teased but is a Chief Miles O'Brien appearance maybe in the future or somewhere? Oh, my boy O'Brien. I'm just saying he is this he is just he is below Michael Dorn. He's, he's just below he, Wharf. He's, he's just below second, Wharf. Second place. Yeah. Shouldn't he be in this? I wonder. I wonder. Um, all right, let's hit this Easter eggs real quick. So uh, Jack and Sydney stealing the cloaking device. It's uh, it, it kind of connects to the original series in the Enterprise incident. That episode, Kirk and Scotty jacked in a Romulan cloaking device to the original Enterprise here. So that's a very interesting thing to throw in. We've talked about the Athen Prime being a 12 Monkeys reference. Um, the fact that they dug up Kirk's body here on Viridium 3, what or Viridian 3 rather, what does this mean in what we're going to do with the Kirk body? I have a lot of questions. Are we waiting for technology to catch up so we can de-age and not have the uncanny valley and just like, go with that? To the, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Are we going to have Shatner showing up? I have a I, lot of questions about what let, why special they, effects can do a lot of things, but I don't think that special effects are going to be able to de-age a William Shatner to the point that he needs to be de-aged. Now they could do the Luke Skywalker Mandalorian thing, maybe, but listen, right. you're not just going to have William Shatner and be like, "Oh, let's uh, let's trim him up and get rid of some of those wrinkles." Like we're 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 past that point. He used to wear the girdle, my brother. But I look and I love Kirk. I love Shatner. He used to wear the girdle, so maybe one more time. Anyway. Um, Worf served on the Defiant, which is mentioned, and that was the ship that was pivotal in beating back the changelings in Deep Space Nine. Uh, so even if, like the Enterprise A, it is technically a replacement, it was uh, which was destroyed. So it's very interesting. Data is exactly like Sherlock Holmes. His deaths are numerous and almost always false. I kind of like that reference here. Uh, kind of interesting. Of course, we were talking about the bounty. We mentioned the bounty already, talking about all of that there. Uh, and Jordy uh, talking about synthetic but human. So how is that going to play itself out as we go forward in this? And remember, in generations, Picard told Riker, what we leave behind is not as important as how we lived. After all, number one, we're only mortal. Riker responded, speak for yourself, sir. I plan to live forever, which is something that Soong was referencing. So it's going to be uh, very interesting because Data and Picard can't live forever uh, down the road. So we'll see if, if that's going to be something that comes to play even more. And I want to give a shout out to Ryan Britt who is the gentleman working for Den of Geek who does these Easter eggs that I take some of them from. Incredible work by him breaking all this stuff down. So shout out to him. Just want to give him love. You know, I'm not the one going through all this kind of stuff. So I appreciate him doing all that for us, for other shows, I'm sure. Um, all right, Mikey, any final words on this episode before we wrap up here? Uh, anything you want to say before we uh, uh, end this review? I mean, listen, all I'll say is uh, I am not a fan of the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> So I will say that uh, they can say whatever they want, but this season of Picard is definitely all about family, uh, and and I I'm uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I can't wait. I yeah. listen. We've been talking about it. We've been geeking out about it. Um, this th these reviews are great and fun to do because it really is just a love letter. And I am I'm honestly I cannot wait for the back half of this season. Yeah. Like I am just, I, I have, and I said this before, like with all of the stuff that we review and all the stuff that we watch and all the TV shows that are coming out and the movies that are coming out, Picard season three is now like my A plus viewing. It's the thing that goes to the top of the pile. Like this is the thing that I get most excited about each week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there too. I, I'm always looking forward to seeing what we're going to get next. And we've got what, seven, Eight, nine, and ten. That's all that's left yep. here. So we've crossed the halfway point now. We're deep into the, or we started the uh, back half. And the next episode's title is Dominion. Oh, boy. So we're going to be very interesting to explore that as well. Yeah, I'm loving it. Shout out to everybody involved in the creation, the production design, the acting, everything. Oh, yeah, I want to give a lot of love here real quick before we wrap up uh, to the actress who plays Sydney. Uh, she is doing just incredible work as Sydney, and I'm glad they let her have some more time here and go back and forth with with, uh, with LeVar Burton here. Uh, Ashley Sharp Chestnut. If you're not looking at Ashley Sharp Chestnut and you're a casting director, you need to wake the fuck up and look at Ashley Sharp Chestnut because she delivered some really fantastic stuff, not just in this episode, but in other episodes earlier this season. So get her on your radar if you're a casting director start looking at her for some stuff because she deserves it for sure uh all right well there you go that's our spoiler review for this episode the bounty 
of uh, Star Trek Picard. We appreciate you all hanging out with us madly. Michael, what do we have to tell them? All right. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, we are at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you would like to follow John Roca, it is he is at the Roca says. I am at MK Toon. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram. Tell us how much you are enjoying Picard. Uh, if you enjoyed this review and you want us to keep doing what we are doing, we would love to have you here. And we would also love it if you smash that like button below, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page, and checked out all the amazing geek content that he has got there. Leave your comments below. What are you thinking of? What Easter eggs did we miss? What are you loving yeah. about the show? If you're not loving the show, I have questions about you, but I also want to know what you don't like about it. So let us know below. Uh, let us know. We love hearing what you guys think in the comments. If you are listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave some likes, leave some stars, leave some comments. Helps us go up in the ranking so more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video, post it on your socials, send it to your friends, and tell them to hang out with your buddies, the Geek Buddies. There you go. Uh, and always, please remember that Carbon Health powers and sponsors us here on the Geek Buddies through the month of March. Give them some love. Head on over there. You got any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs, head over to carbonhealth.com or download the app to have a doc in your pocket to make sure you're all right and headed and be able to hang out with us for the next few weeks as we as we finish up reviewing this great, great season of Picard. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. Don't forget, we dropped our main show and we dropped our Mandalorian review. That is up there for you all to watch. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new spoiler review episode of Picard here on the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.